So the title of our Thanksgiving homily today, You Turn My Morning Into Dancing, The Habitude of Gratitude. You know what the habitude of gratitude is? Let me read to you a first-person account from a gentleman named Scott McCowley. Here it is. When I was 24, my folks decided to get divorced. I was taught that to be a good son, I needed to be supportive and loving to each parent and to my siblings, but nobody was talking to anybody. If you were nice to one parent, the other one would get mad at you. And so when October came, I thought, what's going to happen at Thanksgiving? And I just did not like the thought of being home alone or anywhere alone on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not about gifts or fireworks or hoopla. It's a meal around a table where you give thanks for the blessings you have, and you really can't do that by yourself and have much fun. So I decided to put an ad in the local paper. If people thought they would find themselves alone, they could give me a call and I would make a Thanksgiving dinner. That first year, a few people came and they had a good time. I was nervous about making a mess out of the food and disappointing the people, but the food was okay and I didn't burn anything. I've held the dinner every year since 1985. Last Thanksgiving, 84 people showed up. (laughs) Sometimes they're new to town. Sometimes they're recently divorced or widowed. I've had people who were new to the country and didn't speak any English, but they enjoyed my Thanksgiving dinner. I've had poor people, people who come from AA, old people, also not counted within that number. I always feed the police. The firefighters and EMTs are in buildings with kitchens and can have their own Thanksgiving dinner among themselves, but the police officers are in their cars driving around town on call. Two years ago, a woman with Parkinson's disease came, and she was not good on her feet. She had been in a nursing home for seven years and had never been out. Somebody told her about the dinner, and she hired an ambulance to bring her at $200 plus mileage. She had a great time, and she cried when the ambulance returned to get her. She didn't want to go home. Ah, most, most of the people who come don't know who I am. They know there's some skinny guy in the kitchen, but they don't know my name. I think the theme of my life and everything I do could be summed up with the name of an old hymn called Brighten the Corner Where You Are. I hope my leg. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Harbor, you They got me by surprise. They got me. That's beautiful. That's just a glorious, glorious hymn. So I hope my legacy will be that I came into the world, I I brightened the corner, and then I quietly left the world unnoticed. Isn't that beautiful? That's the habitude of gratitude. That word habitude, that's not a new word. That goes back to the old Middle English. That would be the mid-1500s. And it meant and means an act or an attitude that becomes a habit. So we we have Scott who takes this attitude of gratitude, and since 1985, it's become a habit for him. The question is, is it a habit for you? Is it a habit for me? Let's make it one. Let's go. Come on. Blow the dust off of that ancient chapter in your Bible, Jeremiah 31. When was the last time you've even been to Jeremiah, let alone Jeremiah 31? But let's go. Let's go. 
a habitude of gratitude. See if you can spot it right here. Jeremiah 31. All right. Pick it up in verse 3. And the Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Oh, I love that. That's, that's the language of the cross. It's beautiful. I've loved you forever. Verse 4, I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. Do you know what, do you know what a timbrel is? A timbrel, this is my surprise to you, a, t- <laughs> a timbrel is this. This is what? This is a tambourine. In fact, I love the way the New Revised Standard uh, renders this line. Let's put it on the screen. You shall take your tambourines and go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. And by the way, you can't play the tambourine when you're sad. Oh, I'm so sad. Are you kidding? When Miriam and the women on the other side of the Red Sea, when they break out into song, what did they pull out? They started dancing. Oops. (laughs) And that's just what we read. The dance of the merrymakers. Now, it's not over. Go to verse 13. Then young women will dance and be glad. Young men and old as well, the NRFB says, shall be merrymakers. And I, here it comes again, I will turn their mourning into gladness. But does that sound familiar? We were just in Psalm 30 last week. It's almost a verbatim. I will turn their mourning into gladness, and I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. You turn my mourning into dancing again. You lifted my sorrow. I guess I'm the only one that knows that one. All right. Anyway. Could it, could it be, though, that our problem is we've learned, the, we've learned the wrong song? We're singing the wrong song. So what are you talking about, Dwight? Okay. Ever heard of a group called the 21 Pilots? Yeah. If you're young, you have. They released a, a song back in 2015. It, that year, it climbed up to number two in Billboard's Top 100. All right? That song... Is, entitled, is, is titled Stressed Out. It is a YouTube video. I'm not going to tell you if I've watched it. It is a YouTube music video hit that has now accumulated 1.134 billion views. Apparently, people around the world are identifying with their words. It's a story of two brothers who grow up, they're in their 20s, but they wish, they wish they were kids again. They're riding these big wheels down a suburban street in Columbus, Ohio. They, they're, sipping, uh, they're sipping Capri Suns with straws, and then they start singing. We used to play pretend, give each other different names. We used to build a rocket ship, and then we fly it far away. We used to dream of outer space, but now they're laughing at our face, saying, wake up, you need to make money, Yeah. We wish we could turn back time to the good old days when our mama sang sang us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. We're stressed out. And that goes on on for five minutes. (laughs) The psychologist and writer 
Jean Twenge, in her new book, iGen, and we referenced that book last week, iGen, a very careful analysis of a new generation now being born between 1995 and 2012. You just do the arithmetic. It's the, it's the average college student because it starts at 22, and then it goes to 21, then to 20, 19, and 18. It's the slice called college student. And she's calling them iGeners, and I think the moniker is going to stick. She writes about the song, the words on the screen. The song, Stressed Out, captures this possible link between growing up slowly and mental health issues. I-Jenners don't get their driver's licenses as soon as millennials did. They're not leaving the house as soon as millennials. They're not dating as soon as millennials. She's saying, is there a connection between this slow maturation and mental health issues? Now, she goes on, as Asbury University student Alyssa Driscoll wrote the song, Stressed Out, has exactly what we're thinking written in it. It really gets us. Those are her caps. And what is it about iGeners that sets them apart? Twinge again on the screen. iGen is on the verge of the most severe mental health crisis for young people in decades. On the surface, though, everything is fine. Take Laura. She looked at Laura's social media account photos to try to guess her age. Twinge on the screen again, quoting Laura. In Laura's profile picture, she's a girl with wavy brown hair who looks no more than 16, probably 2021. 20, Her site is titled A Depressed Person Life. Her pain is starkly evident in her posts, which include here's, here's one post that's how depression hits. You wake up one morning afraid that you're going to live. Here's another one I don't, I don't know why I'm so stupid. I don't know why I'm so sad. And here comes the third one. They all look so expletive happy to me. Why couldn't I look like that? Twenge goes on. The web page's title appeared as one apt word, broken. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days. But, of course, none of us can. Not iGeners, not millennials, not Gen Xers, not boomers, not senior citizens. Nobody can turn time back. We're stressed out, as the 21 pilots saying. We're broken, as Laura recorded in her webpage. So here's the question. What's the antidote for this generational darkness that seems to hold us? I've got to read those words again. I have loved you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've loved you forever. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I'll bid you up again, you virgin Israel. You'll be rebelled. Again, I will, I will, you will take up your tambourines and go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. The young women will dance and be glad. The young men and old as well shall be merry. For I will turn your mourning into gladness. I will give you comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Wow. A friend of mine gave me a book a few weeks ago. I read it. One line. There's only one line that I've memorized, and I have to share this line with you. The, the, the book is written by the well-known author and pastor and theologian Gregory Boyd up in Minneapolis. The title of the book, Present Perfect, Finding God in the Now. There's a fascinating premise that he develops, kind of like a philosopher just kind of develops this all the way through the book. And here's the premise. I need you to get it. The premise is this. Now, now is the only moment of reality you possess just now. The past is gone, right? The past is gone. The future's not here. You only have now. 
This is the only moment God has to, to interface with you and connect. He only has this moment, right now, right now. That's why he's called the great I am. He's not the great I was. He's not the great I will be. He's the great I am. I'm in this moment with you. I love you right now. I love you with an everlasting love, a forever kind of love. I am drawing you forever. I'm drawing you with unfailing kindness to me. I just want, this is the moment, the only moment you and I have. I just want to connect with you right now. I want to hear you talk and I'll listen. And then I want you to hear me talk and you listen. I don't care where you are. I don't care when it is. I don't, it doesn't matter to me who you may be. I need this moment. This is the only moment we have together. Look. Look, when your depression hurts so bad, it feels like dying, let me have that moment with you. I can turn your mourning into dancing again. Let me feel your pain. When it seems your body cannot survive another day because of all that nature has inflicted on you, I am with you. Let me have that moment. Connect with me. Let me connect with you. Let me feel your fear. And let me turn your mourning into dancing. And then to help us understand that we can connect with God in this, the only moment we have, which is right now, Gregory Boyd writes a line. And this is the only line I remember from the book. And the line has been so, so profound for me. I've been saying it again and again and again and... Look, they've already put it on the screen for us. That's the line right there. My life is Christ. Nothing else really matters. I have one moment to live, and it's right now. You say, Dwight, I can't, how could could I live this moment right now? And God is talking to me. I don't know, but it works. He's talking to me right now. While I'm talking to you, I have to just keep talking. I can't stop to, I can't stop to think of what he's saying. He's just saying, Dwight, I'm here. I'm here, boy. I'm with you. You're with me. You may be driving down the road. He's talking to you. You may be taking a final exam. He's talking to you. He won't be giving you the answers, but he's talking to you. You may be in the middle of performing surgery. He's talking to you. That's the only moment, Doc. That's the only moment you and I have. That's it. Now, let me have this moment with you. My life is Christ. Oh, I love that. Nothing else really matters. You say, oh, come on, come on, Dwight. How will that, how will that turn my morning into dancing? How does that get me out of my depression? What's, a, what's that have to do with the habitude of gratitude? Everything. Watch this. I want to end with three emotional nuggets. I'm going to share with you three emotional health nuggets. Last week, we shared three mental health nuggets. These are three ways for you to connect with God immediately right now so that Gregory Boyd's line can remain your line as it is mine. My life is Christ. Nothing else really matters. So here they are from that little classic ministry of healing. Boy, just read the chapter, Mind Cure. Oh, there is so much that I've left out from that chapter. But let's go. Emotional health. And by the way, you have a study guide, and this is all in your study guide. You will have to fill a few words in if the quotation means anything to you. Here we go. Emotional health nugget number one. When you open your eyes in the morning, thank God that he has kept you through the night. Isn't that beautiful? First thing you think of, you thank God. Thank him for his peace in your heart. Morning, noon, and night, let gratitude, there's your habitude of gratitude, let gratitude as a sweet perfume ascend to heaven. Hey, listen, guys, when we wake up in the morning, if the first thought is 
God, thank you. I'm here. That starts as a me. My life is Christ. Nothing else really matters. The day starts. Ah, here comes emotional health nugget number two. Also from Ministry of Healing. One of the surest, this is vital for some of you, one of the surest hindrances to the recovery of the sick, and that would be physically sick or emotionally sick, one of the surest hindrances is the centering of attention upon themselves, upon yourself. Many invalids feel that everyone should give them sympathy and help when, th- when what the sick person mentally or emotionally or physically, what that individual needs is to have his, to have her attention turned away from from herself to think of and care for others. That's a big deal. Look at Scott. Remember Scott? His parents divorced. Blue funk. What am I going to do? I'll, I'll open my home up. He, for, he, he, he seized the moment and said, I got to take, take the spotlight off of me. I want to think of others. Habitude of gratitude. He found it. And oh, by the way, when you do that, whew, there's a bonus in it for you. Just a few sentences later, put it on the screen for you. Good deeds that you do are twice a blessing, benefiting both the giver and the receiver of the kindness. A double blessing. You're blessing them and you're blessing yourself. Keep reading. The consciousness of right doing is one of the best medicines for diseased bodies and minds. Keep reading. When the mind is free and happy from a sense of duty well done and the satisfaction of giving happiness to whom? To whom? To others, not to yourself. It's not about me. It's about you. Giving, giving happiness to others, the cheering, uplifting influence brings new life to your whole being. My life is Christ. Nothing else really matters. And Jesus, you just love people because you love me. So I'm going to love people just like you. Yep, you and me. We'll just move through this space, this campus, this community, this world. We'll just move through looking for people to love, and I'll love them for you. Wow. You know what you got to do, don't you? Well, you're going to need emotional health nugget number three. Here's what you can do. Let praise and thanksgiving be expressed in song. When tempted, instead of giving utterance to our feelings, let us by faith lift up a song of what? A song of what? A song of thanksgiving. It's not a one day of the, it's not a one day of the year. It's not a one week of the year. It's not a one month of the year. It's all, it's 24-7, a song of thanksgiving. The habitude of gratitude. Don't let your feelings let you down. Don't let your feelings put you down. Get, push those feelings. Remember last week, feelings have to follow behavior, and singing is a behavior. If you start singing, I don't care how you sing or whether you can carry a tune in a bucket, nobody cares. You just start singing to yourself, and that will push those feelings back. And now you assert, my life is Christ. Nothing else matters. Not even this that I'm going through. Not, it does not ultimately matter. Because I have Jesus. I have Jesus. So, when we were with our kids and our granddaughter Ella this summer out in Oregon, I did something I didn't tell anybody in the family about. One day when I was alone, Papa was alone with Ella. She just turned four a couple weeks ago. I taught her a song that she'd never learned before. I said, Ella, Papa's going to teach you a song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Yeah, you know the song. 
It's a beautiful song. And Ella, she, she picked it up. She just picked, no turning back, no turning back. She got it down. So we went to watch Fourth of July uh, fireworks. So we're coming back late at night. Kirk and Chelsea are up front. Kirk's driving. And Karen and I are packed in the back with Ella's car seat between us. And I thought, man, it's dark. I'm just going to try this. So I leaned, over, I leaned over to Ella. And I said, Ella, I have decided. And God bless her little heart. She picked up on that cue. And at the top of her lungs, I tell you the truth, she starts singing out, I have decided to follow Jesus. That's how she calls Jesus. I hope he doesn't mind. Jesus. Her mother is so startled. Chelsea whirls around. What is happening? And then she realizes Ella's just singing away, so stifling a smile. She, she grabs her cell phone, and she's taking a picture of the whole thing. By the time little Ella, no kidding, by the time little Ella was through, the whole car is smiling. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You know what? I have a feeling that's the way it is with our Father in heaven. When, when you and I, in spite of the depression we are mourning our way through in spite of the joy we are dancing our way through when you and I throw back our little shoulders raise our little heads to him and in our little voices we sing out the praise of Jesus I have a feeling the father's face just beams in a smile you can't hear that kind of singing and not everybody in the car be smiling everybody in heaven yeah my life is Christ I wish he'd put this one to song. My life is Christ. Nothing else really matters. Ladies and gentlemen, put that to song, just your own little song, and it will be this new habitude of gratitude. It will make all the difference in this frenetic holiday season that begins right now. My life is Christ. Nothing else really matters. Amen. Amen. Amen.